and welcome to the History Obscura podcast. On dark and rainy, dreary days like this one, I like to spend my time in the darker corners of the library. Tonight's little bedtime story will reflect that mood, I'm afraid. <laughs> Once upon a time, in 1883, a British scientist called Francis Galton, eugenics, as a way to study which types of human traits were passed from generation to generation through DNA. Galton was no doubt influenced by the work of his own relative, Charles Darwin, the man who shocked the world with his book The Origin of Species. Galton was interested in what evolution could mean for human breeding programs. For Galton and other eugenics researchers, twins held the key to understanding which characteristics present in a human were genetic and which ones were a consequence of their environment. Thus, we have the ongoing nature versus nurture conversation. Galton studied dozens of pairs of twins to determine what traits they had in common, concluding that any similarities must be genetically based. Some 13 years after Galton's death, a young man called Adolf Hitler began reading all about the twin studies and Galton's theories of racial hygiene during his time in Landsberg prison for an attempted coup against the Weimar Republic of Germany. It would be an immense understatement to say that Hitler was interested in these theories. The coup leader believed Germany had become weak, corrupted by genetically poor citizens. In fact, in his largely forgotten second book, titled in German, Second Book, Hitler praised the ancient Spartan regime for murdering deformed and sick children for the good of the species. The following is a translation of what he wrote. Sparta must be regarded as the first Volshik state. The exposure of the sick, weak, deformed children, in short their destruction, was more decent and in truth a thousand times more humane than the wretched insanity of our day, which preserves the most pathological subject, and indeed at any price, and yet takes the life of a hundred thousand healthy children in consequence of birth control or through abortions, in order subsequently to breed a race of degenerates burdened with illnesses. A decade later, Adolf Hitler used these ideas to convince many more Germans that the nation's weakness was the fault of immigrants and members of weak races, including Roma Gypsies and Jewish people, as well as deformed and mentally handicapped people of German heritage. He was elected Chancellor of Germany in 1933, and the very next year had himself proclaimed dictator, or in German, Führer. 
Much of Hitler's political platform centered around cleansing the white, so-called Aryan race and separating those pure-blooded Aryans from outside genetic influences. Those humans targeted for destruction under Nazi eugenics policies were largely living in private and state-operated institutions, identified as life unworthy of life. These included prisoners, dissidents, people with congenital, cognitive, and physical disabilities, and those that were blind, deaf, and suffering from other muscular diseases. Homosexuals, the weak, idle, and quote-unquote insane, were collected alongside. Under Hitler's authority, more than 400,000 people were sterilized against their will, while up to 300,000 were killed in a government-sanctioned mass murder program. Thus, internment camps were set up throughout the growing Nazi territory as it expanded and began the Second World War. One such camp, operating under the name Auschwitz-Birkenau, was set up in Poland under the direction of one Edward Wirths. Wirths used the Auschwitz camp to experiment on Jewish, Gypsy, homosexual, and other prisoners as a means of finding ways to help German military personnel in adverse conditions. He was also responsible for advancing the Nazi racial ideology. Similar projects were conducted elsewhere in Nazi territory. Approximately 30 physicians served at Auschwitz, including one Joseph Mengele. Joseph Mengele was made responsible for selecting which new inmates at Auschwitz would die immediately in the gas chambers and which would be put to work in the camp, or which would be subjected to the experimental laboratory that fell almost completely under his own authority. Mengele would stand amidst his colleagues at the ramp where new prisoners disembarked from the trains into camp. He was searching for twins. Mengele began conducting horrific experiments on up to 1,500 sets of twins, many of them children. The pairs included Jewish girls Ava and Miriam Moses, who were born on January 21, 1934, and came from ports in northern Transylvania. Ava remembered her time at Auschwitz quite clearly. She wrote, Miriam and I were part of a group of children who were alive for one reason only, to be used as human guinea pigs. Three times a week, we'd be placed naked in a room for six to eight hours to be measured and studied. They took blood from one arm and gave us injections in the other. After one such injection, I became very ill and was taken to the hospital. If I had died, Mengele would have given Miriam a lethal injection in order to do a double autopsy. When I didn't die, he carried on experimenting with us, and as a result, Miriam's kidneys stopped growing, 
they remained the size of a child's all her life. Ava and Miriam, like the rest of the Mengele twins, received slightly better care than the rest of the residents at Auschwitz-Birkenau. They lived apart from the rest of the prisoners, had higher food rations, and were not candidates for the gas chambers. For Ava, life as a Mengele twin meant sitting naked for hours and having her body repeatedly measured and compared to Miriam's. She withstood injections of an unknown substance that caused severe reactions. She says, As twins, I knew that we were unique because we were never permitted to interact with anybody in other parts of the camp. But I didn't know I was being used in genetic experiments. Vera Kriegel and her twin sister Olga were just five years old when they were taken from their village in Czechoslovakia to Auschwitz. Transported in cattle cars, which were so tightly packed that the dead were still standing, she recalls the sheer terror of arriving at the camp and treading on dead people like steps as she left the train. New arrivals at the camp were sorted into weak who would be gassed straight away, and the strong who would be made to work. But Mengele and his assistants could take whomever they wanted for research purposes. Vera, her sister, and her mother were taken straight to Captain Joseph Mengele. He was intrigued, she says, by what he described as her mother's perfect Aryan features and blue eyes while Vera's and her sister's were brown. Another woman who remembers her arrival at the camp is Jonah Lax, who was a teenager at the time. Jonah and her sister were initially marched towards the gas chamber, but their twin status was discovered before they were sent inside for immediate murder. Instead, they were brought to Mengele's laboratory. Jonah Lax says Mengele removed organs from people without anesthetic, and if one twin died, the other would be murdered so both bodies could be studied simultaneously to look for differences. Vera Kriegel says that he killed people with an injection to the heart, and then dissected them. She remembers being ushered into his laboratory, and says... I was looking at a whole wall of human eyes. A wall of blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes. These eyes, they were staring at me like a collection of butterflies, and I fell down on the floor. The first experiment she was subjected to involved being kept in a small wooden cage with her sister and being given painful injections in her back. She doesn't know why, but thinks it may have been an attempt to change the color of her eyes. Indeed, Mengele was obsessed with the genetics of eye color, and there are multiple reports of his having collected the eyes of his victims. Vera Kriegel also described a study in which she and her twin, along with more than 100 other twins, were injected with a bacteria that causes Noma disease. 
Noma disease is a fierce form of gangrene that causes death of the tissues of the mouth, nose, and genitals. Some of these twins became feverish, and some died. As well as twins, Mengele experimented on dwarves, giants, and Roma gypsies. On the 26th of January, 1945, Vera Kriegel remembers the guards were in a big panic, and they poured petrol over the barracks and tried to destroy all the evidence. Grabbing a big pack of family photos, Vera, her mother, and sister fled the camp only to be caught and beaten and thrown back into the barracks. The following day, Soviet troops entered Auschwitz. The soldiers, she said, brought striped coats and told us to put them on, but roll up our sleeves so we could show our numbers. They filmed us, the children. They wanted to know what happened to us, and Mengele's experiments. Everything was written down. Joseph Mengele had hoped to use his research, compiled at Auschwitz, in order to produce his postdoctoral dissertation, required for admission to a university faculty as a professor. Instead, in January of 1945, as the Soviet army advanced through western Poland and liberated the Auschwitz camp, Mengele fled. American forces arrested him and held him in custody, but unfortunately they were unaware that the man in their custody was wanted for war crimes and he was released. The infamous doctor fled to the countryside and spent the next four years working as a farmhand under a false name in the Bavaria region. At that point, his wealthy family arranged for a safe passage to South America, and so the Angel of Death made a home for himself in Argentina. Despite being more than 12,000 kilometers away from the location in which he tortured, experimented on, and killed hundreds of prisoners, if not thousands, Mengele had not managed to completely leave his past behind. International courts had been busy in the post-war years, documenting war crimes and handing down punishment to surviving members of the Adolf Hitler regime. Both West Germany and Allied governments, as well as the Israeli intelligence bureau, Mossad, worked tirelessly to track down all war criminals from the Nazi regime. The Mossad focused much of its energy on locating Dr. Joseph Mengele, employing such methods as spying on his family members and breaking into their homes. For a time, the organization considered kidnapping Mengele's son and using him as a hostage. Mossad's intel placed the doctor in Argentina alongside other expatriated war criminals, and West German authorities issued a warrant for Mengele's arrest in 1959. The notorious Nazi official was, however, never extradited to West Germany. Instead, Mengele moved freely throughout Latin America, 
constantly evading the Mossad as it captured the likes of other former Nazis like Adolf Eichmann, a man responsible for collecting Jewish people in ghettos before transferring them to internment camps. Mengele was never captured and spent the last years of his life near Sao Paulo, Brazil. In 1979, the doctor had a stroke while swimming in the ocean near Bertioga, Brazil. He was buried in a suburb of Sao Paulo under the name Wolfgang Gerhard. In 1985, German police working on evidence they had recently confiscated from a Mengele family friend, located the grave and exhumed his corpse. Brazilian forensic experts thereafter positively identified the remains as Joseph Mengele. His remains were bagged unceremoniously and stored for several years before being gifted to the University of Sao Paulo's medical school where they continue to undergo a series of forensic medical studies. Don't forget to switch off the light, friends. Have an excellent night. Do remember to check out our Facebook page and our Patreon. Ta! -da.